Welcome into this week's episode of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, this week, our summer series continues looking at all of the position groups in the Pac-12 and ranking them to provide broader overall context of where Arizona State stands heading into the 2017 season and where each position group for the Sun Devils stands compared to their peers around the Pac-12 conference. We've enjoyed doing this series so far. We've gone through the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And today, I'm not so sure we'll enjoy this as much as we get to the offensive and defensive lines. This is going to be a challenge. This is going to be tough mudding right here. <laughs> um, the thing is, is it, a lot of the uh, top offensive linemen in the league are, are veteran players. When they depart, it's kind of hard to know who's replacing them. The same can be said on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we haven't seen it, uh, a lot of guys developing because you usually uh, play your, your your starters the full time on, on the offensive line, right? So, and then there's obviously not as many names that you're going to know and really stand out among offensive linemen in particular and defensive linemen unless they're, you know, generating a lot of statistics. So this is not going to be easy. And um, I think our, our perspectives on this will certainly evolve over time as we get into the season and start seeing some of these players. Yeah, I think this is the position groups where, it will absolutely change over the course of the season. By the midway point of the season, we'd probably have completely different rankings. But this is just basing things off of where we see each team's rosters right now, where we see each player right now that we know of, that we've been able to watch uh, over the past few seasons. And so when teams have more veterans, players who have produced, that will automatically put them more toward the top of our rankings because we have a much better understanding of what to expect from those players. So just like we did with the first four rankings, we'll go through the draft process. We'll trade off, switching off on picks of each different position group. I've gone first for the past two episodes, and I'll go first as well with the offensive line, and then you'll go first with the defensive line. And I think that we both had the consensus top team uh, at the top of our offensive line rankings, and that's the Washington Huskies who return Trey Adams, a first-team all-conference player from a season ago, and Coleman Shelton, who was second-team all-conference last season. They do lose Jake Eldrenkamp, uh, one of the tougher names to say, and you'll see there's a lot of tough names along the lines in the Pac-12 conference, but Eldrenkamp was a first-team all-Pac-12 player. But what stands out to me about Washington is having Trey Adams at that left tackle position. He was a guy who was a sophomore uh, or was, yeah, was a sophomore last season and was a first-team all-conference player, and that's something you rarely see in the Pac-12. It was the first time a player uh, lower than a junior or senior had won a first-team all-conference spot on the Pac-12's postseason recognition list, and it kind of shows where Washington is trending on the offensive line and the depth that Chris Peterson's building. Yeah, I had Washington first also. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, kind of one of the first pick once again, but didn't exactly happen for me. Um, so with the second pick where it gets a lot tougher, I decided to go with Colorado. Uh, Colorado has a, a all-league caliber left tackle returning in Jeremy Irwin. That's, of course, um, where you want to be able to have your standout players. It's easier to plug in guards, centers. If you have a guy like Irwin who's already established, that's going to help you out a lot. Um, he's a fourth-year junior. And then Gerard Couch, uh, 
I'm Cuff. Cuff. I, yeah. I'm not sure how I'm saying his name. Exactly. But he's uh, he was an honorable mention uh, player last year. And I remember watching him, studying him from, from uh, when ASU played against Colorado. And he was a pretty solid performer. I also like uh, Tim Lynott. Yeah, he was a highly touted recruit that the Buffs were able to snag. Yes. And I think that he's going to be a really good guard as they get into it. And this is a, a offensive line that's still not that uh, mature. They have... Uh, no seniors who are projected to start. They lost uh, Alex Kelly, who I thought was a, a pretty good player at center. But you know, overall, the, I think this group is pretty good. Of course, uh, Colorado had a balanced attack last year, really good uh, capability with a vertical game, passing the football, but balanced, but uh, more of a uh, ball control uh, style at times mixed with a lot of the things that they did. Uh, where they incorporated some of the some of the uh, air raid type concepts, but I just think um, that that's a a developing group and one that not without um, not with not with full degree of confidence. But I just went with Colorado. I had Colorado ranked a little bit lower than you did, uh, but that was simply because I think the loss of Alex Kelly is really going to impact that offensive line. A multi year starter, the Buffs, Philip Lindsay and Sefo Lufau continually praised Alex Kelly whenever they had the opportunity to do so. Said that he was a key leader on that offense. So I'm curious to see how his loss will affect that team in the transition to a new quarterback, as that could affect the offensive line as well. A team that I had higher rated than you did is my third pick in the draft, my second pick overall, um, and that's Washington State, which returns Cody O'Connell, who's uh, considered an NFL caliber prospect at the guard position. Uh, The Cougars were, what, 10th last year in rushing offense, 11th last year in rushing offense in the conference, 8th in sacks allowed, so why do I have them at my third overall pick in the draft? It's because I think that they execute Mike Leach's system extremely well. They do exactly what's asked of them, and it's a group that defensive lines struggle against. They complain about going against Washington State because it's a group loaded with size. You look from left to right on the that offensive line, you've got Andre Dillard, Cody O'Connell, Frederick Mauga at center, and then Cole Madison out at right tackle. Uh, he was a honorable mention all Pac-12 player last year. The Cougars do lose Riley Sorensen and Eduardo Middleton, who were solid offensive linemen, but Mike Leach knows exactly the type of players he wants to recruit along the offensive line, and he's never had trouble finding players who can fit his scheme well. So that's why I have the Cougars going third overall and my second pick. I think that's very reasonable. Um, I th- I'm going to take USC third. Uh, normally, USC, of course, is going to be higher than this. Uh, and maybe USC ends up being better than we anticipate. They always could. Yeah, but when you lose all, three all-conference caliber players, Damian Mama, Zach Banner, Chad Wheeler, um, it, it's, it's difficult to just automatically project that they're going to plug those guys in with comparable level players. Now, Chuma Udoga is, as a left tackle, a good prospect. He was really highly regarded, still young as a sophomore, I believe, maybe a third-year sophomore. Clayton Johnston is a a big, long guy who has a chance at right tackle uh, to fill in for for Damian Mama. I like Nico Fala as an interior player. Uh, Vianne Talamaveo. Uh, is, is solid uh, as a right guard, big, you know, real big physical type of a mauler, 
presence and then they have good backups. Another thing about Ryder have USC third is because uh, even with their, them losing so much, you know that they're going to have depth options. At times they've had guys get injured and, and they've plugged in uh, players who ended up becoming all league players down the line. So, um, so you know, for a, a, an offense that looks to be extremely potent and have one of the best quarterbacks in, in the country, I think that the, the Trojans will uh, probably not start off as strong as they'll finish, but they'll have a, a very talented group. So to recap so far, I took Washington first, the Huskies going off the board thanks to Trey Adams. Chris took Colorado second with Jeremy Irwin, the big left tackle there. I took Washington State third, and Chris takes USC fourth. This is the first time, this is the fifth position group we've ranked, Chris. This is the first time that USC has had a position group drafted outside the top three They've had three number one overall picks with their tight ends, their quarterbacks, and their running backs. So it says a lot about the strength of USC's offense and what we expect from that group this year. And I also think that because USC lost three players and we were able to go through and list players that we really like along that offensive line, it speaks to the recruiting prowess of the Trojans and what Clay Helton has accomplished in a short time there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you expect it, and probably USC ends up being even better than we anticipate. Uh, it's just without having seen a lot of those guys in, in action as much, it's hard to uh, just automatically project that. So with a fifth overall pick in our offensive line rankings, I'll take the Oregon Ducks. And this is a team that was very, very young in the 2016 season, struggled a bit along the offensive line, but came together late in the year uh, behind the strength of a few different players, including Calvin Throckmorton and Jake Hansen, who were both honorable mention, all Pac-12 players. Oregon still extremely young across the offensive line. The Ducks do lose Cameron Hunt. They finished eighth in sacks allowed this season. I expect them to improve in that category. But the Ducks were second in rushing offense last year. And I think that says a lot about the progress that the Ducks made over the course of the season because they weren't running the ball effectively at the beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, they were able to do so. I think if we were doing these rankings last year at the beginning of the preseason, knowing what Oregon's depth chart would have looked like, we probably would have had them 10th, 11th, or 12th. And so the fact that the Ducks are fifth right now uh, shows what type of progress that that program has made along the offensive line, even though they're transitioning head coaches from Mark Helfrich to Willie Taggart. Yes, and, um, that's exactly where I had Oregon as well. I, uh, I thought Oregon, for being so young last year, showed a lot of promise mm -hmm. with their group. At times, starting for redshirt freshmen, and uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all to see them end up as being arguably the best offensive line in the Pac-12 by 2018 mm -hmm. as those guys really kind of mature and develop. But um, my pick is going to be UCLA, and this takes some imagination, of course, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, it be does. Because um, they were so poorly coached last year. Their rushing offense was terrible. I, I thought that they're, schematically it was really weak. Uh, and But I, I put a lot of that on the staff and not as much of it quite on the players and not saying that they have great players, of course, but um, they do have several guys that I, that I, I do like quite a bit. And they had um, in Scott Quisenberry, a uh, guy who was uh, capable of being an all-league player and uh, and um, uh, former Phoenix South Mountain, I mean, uh, a Mountain Point uh, pr uh, player, Kenny Lacey, was a, a guard who we always knew had the ability to do it, and he started to really flash last year. 
Uh, Najee Turan was was also at times uh, in the lineup but did well. I don't the 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 questions that you have at UCLA are their their tackles and are they going to be be able to hold up against a lot of uh, speed pressure on the edge? They lose Connor McDermott who was. Um, uh, as probably about as good as an offensive tackle as there was in the league. I know he was the second offensive tackle taken in the NFL draft out of the league after Garrett Bowles. But um, so, yes, a little bit of an imagination, but I think the talent is uh, individually is better than what the group did uh, on the whole last year. They'll probably get coached up better. And if so, I think UCLA will start to uh, 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 move up the, the the rankings and and be just um, uh, more more along the lines of what they are from a talent standpoint individually. So as we move into the latter half of the conference for the offensive line rankings, this is where it can get really challenging because a lot of these teams are replacing multiple starters along the offensive line. Stanford is my pick here at the seventh overall slot. The Cardinal aren't replacing a lot of starters, but it was almost a down year for David Shaw along the offensive line last season because the Cardinal did not even have an honorable mention all Pac-12 player. So you figure that the Cardinal will make some improvements this season just with the way that Shaw has recruited in that program, the way that the Cardinal prioritized line play, and the way that the Cardinal have played historically over the last decade. So I'm going out on a bit of a limb there, taking the Cardinal seventh in the draft. A.T. Hall looks like he'll convert to left tackle. Nate Herbig, Jesse Burkett will be the center. Nick Wilson at right guard and Jack Dreyer over at right tackle. Uh, they've also got Casey Tucker on that team as well. Uh, they lose Johnny Caspers, who was their best lineman last season. They finished 11th in sacks allowed, but the Cardinal were fourth in rushing offense, obviously benefiting from Christian McCaffrey. So I'm expecting that program to take a step up this season, and I have them ranked seventh, which may be slightly higher than some of the national publications that are doing this, but I have a lot of faith in what Stanford does. I understand that, and it, it does look like the talent is not quite what it has been on average uh, in, in the last decade or so. Uh, A.T. Hall moving over to the left side of tackle. I think he I think he did a good job last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing if they have the, the same ability uh, to wear on on opponents physically as they, they have in the past. Also, don't forget, Stanford did recruit Foster Serrell, who was one of the top offensive line recruits the past few years. Good point. Five-star uh, prospect. Um, so the next pick is me, and it's going to be Arizona State. Uh, I, I think the center position is still a little bit of a question mark between the two seniors who are competing, A.J. McCollum and Tyler McClure. Uh, is Steve Miller going to be ready to play effectively at this level for the first time as an offensive guard? I'm not really sure, but I, I think that Zach Robertson – has the ability to step in there and be at least a solid option. If not, I like Sam Jones and Quinn Bailey quite a bit. I think those guys are at worst middle tier uh, Pac-12 players with the ability to actually play beyond that as a left guard and a right tackle. And then Cole Cabral's I think is quite promising. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up being talked uh, as as good as any of the offensive linemen by the end of this season, just becoming a regular starter at left tackle and uh, I think I think the depth isn't necessarily bad uh, they probably have you know a couple different guys that they can play off off the, off the bench um, led by Zach Robertson obviously maybe he even even he pushes up and becomes a starter they lost uh, Evan Goodman and Stefan McCray 
you know, two guys that were just middle of the road type players. Uh, now ASU needs to do a much better job of protecting the quarterback. And, and of course, um, Manny Wilkins created some additional challenges with that because of his, uh, his style and tendency to kind of want to run a little bit too, too much. Um, and the rushing attack has to get a lot better for ASU 10th in the league overall. Um, they had some injuries. Uh, Demario Richard probably wasn't uh, as healthy as he as uh, as we thought he was during the season, uh, and so ASU is not in the top half of the league, but also not near the bottom. For ASU, it could very well be a season like the one that Oregon had last year, where the Sun Devils, if they stay healthy, come together toward the end of the season and make a rise because it's a lot of young talent on that offensive line. The only senior starter will be at the center position, like you said, the battle between A.J. McCollum and Tyler McClure. So with the next pick in the draft, it's the ninth overall slot. I'll go with the Utah Utes, who return absolutely no one and probably shouldn't be this high, but... Utah has recruited the offensive line well over the years. They do lose Garrett Bowles, Isaac Asiata, J.J. Dealman, and Sam Tevy, all four of which were NFL draft picks. But Utah has Jackson Barton, who has some experience coming back, Darren Paulo, who was a nice recruit, Lo Falamaka, Celesi Utafe, and Nick Nowakowski along that offensive line. So this is a group that could very well fit Kyle Whittingham's scheme well and continue the tradition of Utah having strong line play in the Pac-12. Uatafe and Nowakowski both played last season at times and actually held their own. They lose a lot, of course. Garrett Bowles was a, was a great player. Mm-hmm. J.J. Dealman did a really good job. Another guy who's from the Phoenix area who was undersized coming out and ended up being really good. Sam Tevy also was good. Um, but when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, as we are now, once you get past Utah, it kind of becomes a difficult situation. Yeah, we're in no man's land here. Yeah, and, and I had a really difficult time between Arizona, Cal, and Oregon State, uh, who I was going to go with with the 10th pick, and I ended up picking Arizona. And primarily not because I, th- I think that any of these guys individually are anything really special, but I think in the collective, they did a pretty good job. You look at their uh, the rushing offense, uh, Oregon was first in the league. Now, obviously, it's a very run-heavy type of a team, uh, but um, uh, you know they 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 did their job. You know they had a 5.5 yard per carry average. Offensively, that's the best in the league. Uh, their p- pass offense was was quite anemic, but that's also uh, you know it comes down to a lot of the other players that are on the field, and they have a couple of guys that that were you know decently. Uh, recruited at Arizona. Lath Frick had an offer from ASU. Nathan Eldridge on the inside does a pretty good job. Uh, Gerhard DeBeer um, you know, has a chance to be a, a, a solid player in the Pac-12. I don't think that their guards are particularly impressive, but their style of play lends itself to being able to uh, run the football pretty effectively, and they only lost Freddie Tagaloa, so they probably will be able to do that uh, again moving forward. So Arizona goes 10th. I'll take Oregon State at 11 ahead of the Cal Bears. Even though Oregon State loses Sean Harlow, Gavin Andrews, and Dustin Stanton, three starters along the offensive line, the Ducks did finish fourth in sacks allowed, seventh in rushing offense. They'll be blocking for Ryan Nall, who's one of the best backs 
in the Pac-12. Gus Lavaca was an honorable mention, all Pac-12 player at guard. And Cami Delp is the other guard who figures to slide into the uh, starting lineup this fall. Delp was a highly touted recruit. So Oregon State just slightly edging out Cal, in my opinion, for the 11th overall slot. So Chris, once again, you're left with the bottom of the barrel and taking the Bears, who they lose three starters and uh, not don't bring much back. Uh, I, I, they're players to me. Uh, like like Cam Bennett, I know, but but the rest of them uh, don't really have much uh, of an awareness of. Now I do know that um, they they had a, a a second team all league player or an honorable mention maybe Steve Moore who left departed. They lost three starters, so they're going to be getting some new blood in there. But they had a total inability to to run the football in the games that I saw. They finished ninth in rushing offense. Second in sacks allowed, I guess, is okay. But, yeah, pardon me for that. But but Cal's at the bottom, and, and uh, it's really not, not difficult to understand why. So to recap our draft order for the offensive lines, uh, we went with Washington first. That was my first overall pick. Chris had the second overall pick. He took Colorado. He had the Buffaloes ranked a little higher than I did. I had Washington State third. I had the Cougars ranked a little higher than Chris did. And then we pretty much agreed down the rest of the board. He took USC at four. I took Oregon at five. He took UCLA at six. I took Stanford seven. He took Arizona State at eight. I took Utah at 9. He took Arizona 10th. I took Oregon State 11th. And then Cal rounded it out. Chris was stuck with taking the Bears. So should be an interesting season along the offensive line, as it always is in the Pac-12. It's a conference that's been dominated by veterans and seasoned players. And Trey Adams returns. He was the sophomore who was a first-team all-conference player for the Washington Huskies last season. But aside from that, we should see plenty of new players on that all-conference list when it comes out at the end of the season. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be interesting. You know, as I said, a lot of these guys are going to be starting for the first time, don't know them very well. Uh, there's a, a, quite a bit of guesswork that goes involved in it, especially as you get down to the second half uh, and, and probably v- uh, very narrow differences that are um, subjective with it. So uh, I'm looking forward to kind of getting a better sense of this. Probably, I think, camp tells you a lot about where these teams are at. And then we'll have a much better idea once we see the first couple games of the year. So let's move on to the defensive line. And before we start this, we have to start with a caveat that some teams run a 3-4, some teams run a 4-3, some teams play a stand-up end, some teams play an end in a three-point stance. So what we're trying to do here is give you the best idea of where these teams stand with players who are in a three-point stance. So, for example... Azeem Victor, great rusher out of Washington, plays the buck linebacker position. We have him as a linebacker, so he won't be ranked here. Porter Gustin plays with a lot of three-point stances at USC, plays right up at the line of scrimmage plays on most plays, plays in a lot of two-point stances as well. We have him as a defensive lineman because he was ranked or he was uh, recognized by the Pac-12 last season as a first-team all-conference defensive lineman. Hercules Mata'afa, another player we struggled with, mostly out of a three-point stance at Washington State. He's a, considered a defensive Gustin lineman for was, the purposes Gustin, of this. Just, for, just to make sure we're accurate, Gustin was honorable mention. Honorable mention. There we go. Okay. So, And then Karan Crump, who played up at the line of scrimmage for ASU, he's considered a linebacker. So as we go through this process, we will do our best to explain to you why we have certain teams where and why certain players are included or not included. I think, Yeah, I think the main thing here is it, it requires some, um, you know, uh, 
choices that have to be made. You're going to have to figure out, do you go by the way that the teams list the players? Do you go by what you visually see? Do you go by the percentage that they are stand-up players versus three-point? Do you go by um, you know, weight, size, how big these guys are? And it's hard to say a 230-pound or last guy is a defensive lineman, quote-unquote, um, and then uh, at the same time, if you have a 260 pound guy, maybe like a Porter Gustin who's playing as a standup, it's hard to say that guy's uh, a linebacker. So we just did the best that we could with this. And uh, it's understandable that um, maybe it shapes kind of the way these teams are ranked, both in, in D line or linebacker. But if you're a little bit down in one, you're going to be higher at the other because the, the, your, your player is going to be accounted for somewhere. So, Chris, you have the first overall pick along the defensive lines, and I think that we both would like to take the same team here. Yeah, Washington, I think, is the the pick that makes the most sense. Um, you know, they lose quite a bit. Joe Mathis, I mean, uh, yeah, Joe, um, Joe Mathis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Elijah Qualls, who was a really big physical uh uh, D-tackle that I liked quite a bit, but they, they returned Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, Shane Bowman, Connor O'Brien, um, and uh, Hasim Victor is a, a guy that's coming back, but we decided to put him as a linebacker. But even, even with that being the case, I like what Washington has up front. And, uh, and like Vea, uh, a lot of tackles for loss and sacks as a percentage of his tackles. They have a good ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, I, I think that these guys all have really good motors. Their assignment sound. Uh, they 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 anchor. They contain. I think like um, extremely well coached, and they their their execution is also at a very high level. And that's sort of uh, uh, evidenced by the rushing defense, which was right at the top with with Utah last year. Um, gave up 133 yards, but. Uh, 3.6 yards per carry, which was low, the best in the league. Uh, their pass defense was also great, and a component of that is the ability to pressure the quarterback and 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 do a good job at the point of attack. So, uh, while this I think is subject for you know some 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 debate, uh, I went with Washington. So Washington first off the board, and no surprise, the USC Trojans are being taken with another top pick. I'll go with USC second on the strength of us counting Porter Gustin as a defensive lineman for the purposes of this. Gustin was an honorable mention, all-Pac-12 player, as you mentioned last season. Rasheem Green is a player that I really like along the defensive line. Green had 55 tackles and six sacks last season. The Trojans were sixth in sacks last year, fourth in rushing defense. They do lose Stevie T. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 player, but USC recruits in the trenches extremely well. Malik Dort and Jacob Daniel appear next in line there. So on the strength of Porter Gustin and Rasheem Green, I'll take the Trojans second. And this was a group that played extremely well toward the end of last season. It came together, and the front seven of USC was one that really impressed me as the season went along. I agree, and that's probably would have been my pick as well. Uh, with the third selection, I'm going to take Utah. Uh, always really good in the trenches. That's the strength of their team. And even though they lose one of my favorite players in the league in, in Hunter Dimmick and also Pita Tamoa Panu, whose name I can finally pronounce. Yes, just now as, that he's gone. Just as soon as he's gone, I'm able to, to say Tamoa Panu. 
and uh, Pisoni Tassini uh, is also gone. But you look at this Utah team, I really like their defensive tackles. They're, they got a lot of heft and potency over the football. Loa Lotulele, Felipe Mokafisi, these are really good players. Bradley Ane is also uh, a solid uh, option that they have. And I think you can pretty much count on Utah being uh, well-coached and fundamentally sound and really uh, physically potent uh, on the defensive line at the point of attack. And, and so I feel comfortable having Utah being pretty high up on my list. So Washington goes first, USC second, Utah third. I'm on the clock now, and I will take the Washington State Cougars Quick clock. at four. I'll take Washington State. This is a program that has probably never ranked in the top three or four in the conference under Mike Leach in defensive line play. But the Cougars have done quite a bit to stabilize their defensive line, including adding Hercules Mata'afa, who's one of my favorite players to watch in the conference, plays out of a two-point stance on occasion, out of a three-point stance on occasion. We watched a lot of his highlights this morning, and that really convinced me that Mata'afa and the Washington State Cougars should be fourth. They don't lose anyone key off of last year's defensive line. They return Daniel Iquale, Garrett McBroom, which is one of the great names in the conference, and Kingston Fernandez as well. Even though Washington State was 10th in sacks last year, the Cougars don't really pressure the quarterback much, so it's really on the defensive linemen to get there. But the Cougars were third in rushing defense in the conference, which really stands out to me. Mata'afa was a second-team All-Pac-12 player, 47 tackles, 13 and a half for loss, five sacks. He's the unquestioned leader of that group and one of the one of the leaders of that defense as well. So Washington State off the board at four for me. Mata Afa, also one of my favorite players. He, he plays like his hair's on fire. Uh, and as you said, Kerry, they don't really pressure a lot, but they rally to the football extremely well. The mm-hmm. Polynesian connection there. Uh, getting a lot of a lot of their players from the islands has really helped them uh, with their front seven. Um, question, question is, how will the impact of the loss of Joe Salavea uh, hurt Washington State because he's gone to Oregon? From a recruiting standpoint, that's a big blow, and I think that you're going to see that uh, affect a talent shift in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so I have the fifth pick, right? Um, I'm going to go with ASU here, and this is uh, probably one of ASU's better overall position groups. Right, you have JoJo Wicker, of course, was um, a second-team all-league player. I think some ASU fans were surprised by that last year because the statistical performance wasn't uh, as good as maybe some people had anticipated. But I think Wicker did very good uh, against the run and the pass. Uh, it, it wasn't the type of situation where he was getting a lot of these kind of easy one-on-one opportunities or free releases to get to the quarterback and, and make plays. I think that affected him from a, a statistical standpoint. Uh, of course, ASU has Tayshawn Smallwood, who's going to be a senior. You know, is he a great player? I, I would say no, but he's a senior leader, very experienced, understand what he's what he's doing. He's going to be really sound fundamentally. Uh, those those two guys are sort of your your pillars of your defensive line. Um, there's some other talent there, though. Rennell Wren is someone who has as much talent probably as any of these guys if he was able to put it all together. He can play uh, nose tackle, three technique, maybe some end in a, in a, a heavier uh, personnel grouping. Of course, uh, Doug Subtil is a guy who's talented and, and just sort of learning the position as he gets incorporated in. Um, not there yet, but but has a lot of potential. This would be a, a, a unit that would be ranked even higher if you had Karan Crump, uh, a tether to the defensive line 
but we put them with the linebackers, which means ASU's linebackers will will rise in the rankings. Uh, ASU manufactures a lot of pressure, fifth in sacks. That's partly attributable to that. The rushing defense actually took a step backward last year. Usually, it's 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 been in the top three of the league, partly because of of the way that they run blitz and and uh, aggressively will slant their the line of scrimmage. They, only seventh last year, and that's a factor. But just given that they return so much. I do think that losing Viliami Latu is a real factor here because he he was a, a very solid nose tackle and they don't have a guy at that position who's returning who's very experienced. Uh, George Lee's lost a lot of weight, gotten in shape, and uh, and, and also is talented, has good uh, um, uh, balance between quickness and heft uh, at the point of attack. So I went with ASU, maybe slightly higher than other people would. But I think this group is is pretty promising. I also had ASU ranked fifth. The group is definitely promising. But to me, the rest of the conference really lacks uh, depth in defensive line play. And you'll start to see that here. I'll take Stanford sixth, even though the Cardinal lose Solomon Thomas, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Thomas was sensational a season ago. I believe he had 14 sacks, one of the best players in the Pac-12. And obviously you saw that with the San Francisco 49ers taking him in the NFL draft. I'll take the Cardinal on the strength of Harrison Phillips. I think that he's very capable of becoming a solid, one of the most solid players along the defensive line in the Pac-12. He was an honorable mention all-conference player a season ago. He had 46 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and seven sacks. He'll pair up with Dylan Jackson in the middle there. And Stanford's a team that is built on its linebacker play. So if Phillips and Jackson can really hold their own in the trenches, then Stanford's going to have some of the best linebackers in the conference this year. There's no question about that. So I think if those two can just do their jobs, then it'll be a solid year for Stanford's defensive line and David Shaw. I I think that's uh, well put. I, I, I probably would have had Stanford there as well. Um, it's hard to have Stanford's, you know, D line be, be at the bottom of the league. I, I just Regardless of who the teams have, you can't rank Stanford and Utah too low. No, because they're they're so well coached and they have they they've demonstrated the ability to recycle players and and not have that much of a degrading of their performance. Um, so I I agree with you, Kerry. You said that we're kind of getting to a a, a place where the talent is is thinner in terms of what's been demonstrated out there on the field. Uh, I'm going to pick UCLA seventh. Uh, do I feel great about it? Not really. We're not going to feel great about any of our remaining picks. No, UCLA loses a lot, obviously. Tack McKinley, certainly one of the, in my opinion, two or three best defensive linemen in the Pac-12 last year. Eddie Vanderdose seemed like he'd been around for seven or eight years. Um, and then uh, they, they do return uh, Jacob Tuioti Mariner. I think he's a versatile piece that they uh, played some inside and out last year. He's really more of an, a defensive tackle. Rick Wade is a player uh, who had a few tackles for loss and got his feet wet out there. Matt Dickerson has some talent. Uh, UCLA seventh in, 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 in sacks. Uh, so didn't really produce a whole bunch of uh, destabilizing plays in, in the backfield. Um, just average against the run. So not, nothing really special here, and they're losing a lot. But you you have to anticipate that UCLA is going to be able to recruit pretty solid players and be able to throw athletes out there on the field. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm taking the Cal Bears eighth. Wow. Cal was putrid last season. Last in sacks, last in rushing defense. As awful of a, of a defense to watch. It was cringeworthy yeah. to watch them play. But 
They return three starters on that defensive line, Cameron Saffel, James Looney, and Tony McCarry. And all three of those players had decent stats last season. Saffel was the leader of the group, 57 tackles, eight and a half for loss, four sacks. Looney had five sacks and seven and a half for loss. And Makari had four and a half tackles for loss. James Looney was actually an honorable mention, all Pac-12 player. Cal only loses Devontae Wilson on the defensive line. So there's reason to believe that Cal should make some improvements as these players continue to build off the experience they gained during the 2016 season. Justin Wilcox is a defensive coach. They should be better on the defensive side of the ball this season. So I'm taking a bit of a gamble there. And it's also kind of a condemnation of the rest of the conference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It's kind of splitting hairs. If somebody's going to really disagree with that you know, strongly, I certainly don't. Um, yeah, and with the rest of these teams, you might as well just put them in a, in a hat. Yeah, this is tier three. It's not good, but I'm going to go with Oregon. Uh, I think Oregon, again, was just like UCLA, very poorly coached on the defensive side of the ball last year. It didn't really help their players uh, be in the position to be successful all that much. Um, they lose a little bit there, but <clears throat> pardon me, TJ Daniel. But uh, overall, um, I think that they'll they'll once they start getting coached up better and schematically, uh, what they're trying to do improves. It'll allow some of the natural talent there to start to show. Uh, Henry Mondo's a, a, a guy uh, who has a lot of he has a, a great motor, sort of like a Porter Gustin type in in terms of his playing style and what he's able to accomplish, or even like a, a modify, what's his name the Washington State. Uh, oh, Mata Afa. A little bit like a Mata Afa. You were going with Mocha Fisi of Utah. Yeah, Mocha, yeah. <laughs> uh, between the, all these Polynesian names, you're in my head swimming. Um, and some of the other guys are, are, are pretty decent, too. They got Elijah George, Gary Baker, Justin Hollins. Uh, Oregon's recruited at a pretty high level. I, I just think that the coaching's put them in a bad position. And so even though um, uh, these guys are rated down, down, down the line a bit, uh, they all played. Uh, Holland's had quite a bit of production, 51 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three and a half sack, uh, three and a half sacks. Uh, the other guys got, got, um, some experience and I'm going to go ahead and pick Oregon. So Oregon off the board there at nine, I'll take Colorado 10th. Why? Well, the Buffaloes lose all three starters along the defensive line. There's no reason that you should be confident in what Colorado returns, but Leo Jackson, Timothy Coleman were solid backups last season, ready to uh, step into starting roles. Jace Frank also along that defensive line as well. They will lose Jordan Carroll, Samson Kafavalu, and Josh Tupu, who was probably the biggest loss on that Colorado defensive front. The Buffs were fourth in sacks, sixth in rushing defense last year, and so I'll take them 10th on the strength of Jackson and Coleman. I'm going to go with Oregon State 11th. Um, picking the Beavers primarily because I... Uh, have a fundamental disagreement with Arizona starting a 240 something pound <laughs> nose tackle. And I, I just don't, I just, the talent level there is leaves a lot to be desired. Oregon state doesn't lose anybody, but they That's also, not a good thing, but though. they also were terrible. <laughs> so are, you know, probably they're not uh, have a bunch of upside to really improve, but maybe, that continuity will help them just a little bit. And so I'm going with Oregon State uh, in the 11th spot. Well, I've got Arizona 12th, 
Parker Zellers, 12 tackles, three sacks last season. Monster. He's their best returning player. That rounds out our defensive line draft. It started off so strong with the Washington Huskies, the USC Trojans. Utah rounded out the top three. Then we got to the middle tier of the Pac-12. Washington State, four. Arizona State, five. Stanford, six. UCLA, seven. And then we hit the significant drop-off. Cal, eighth. Oregon, ninth. Colorado, tenth. Oregon State, eleventh. And Arizona, twelfth. Clearly, there will be an opportunity for a lot of offenses in the Pac-12 to run the ball and run the ball successfully this season with the way the latter half of the conference shapes up along those defensive lines. This is where a lot of the unpredictability comes in in forecasting the Pac-12 overall in, 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 in this season because offensive line and defensive line are so essential to your success, and yet it's difficult to know uh, a pecking order of how these teams actually shake out. It's much easier to do that at quarterback, at running back, at, at, at in, the, in the secondary where you have uh, guys returning. But up front, uh, it's it's a very fluid and developing sort of a thing. And, and so this is the, our best educated guess at this, but certainly by no means uh, something that we are going to uh, lock in as as we go through the season. So for our listeners who are devout followers of the Arizona State Sun Devils in our draft order, the Sun Devils finished eighth along the offensive line. Obviously, it's a group with a lot of upside, a lot of room for improvement. We just haven't seen the necessary production yet from that group to rank them higher. And along the defensive line, even without Karan Crump slotting into that group, we ranked ASU fifth. So it's a promising group of players along the defensive line for Arizona State. And it should be uh, a high ranking for them when we come back next week with our uh, linebacker rankings because that will include Christian Sam, DJ Calhoun, and uh, Karan Crump. Yeah, that'll be one of the better evaluated groups for ASU as we kind of wrap this thing up in, in the next couple weeks. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to kind of you know finish it and then be able to stand back and see how it holds up. I think we have to do an episode where we rank the coaching staffs in the Pac-12. Yeah, coaching staffs. Might as well do overall special teams. Stadiums, experiences. I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and let you <laughs> Cities. Do that. Once we get to the uniforms. <laughs> We're not doing uniforms. I'm totally, We're not doing uniforms. I'm totally out. You know, the look good, feel good, play good thing, it doesn't get ranked by us. <laughs> All right. That will do it for this week's episode of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll hope you stick with us for the rest of our Pac-12 preview series over the next few weeks.